Well, and all God's people said, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Who needs stew when we got you? Amen. Good job. Well, let's take our Bibles and let's run to Daniel chapter 3, okay? We're going to talk about a story that probably if you uh, grew up any at all at church or Sunday school, if uh, you had been to vacation Bible school, uh, it's a story that you've heard before story that you're probably well acquainted with. story about three boys who got thrown into a furnace because of one thing. Their allegiance to God was greater than their life. You hear me? They were thrown into a furnace and for as far as they knew, they were dead. And the reason was because their allegiance to Almighty God was more important than their lives. As you're turning, I, I want to go back to last week. Let me tell you again, when I, when I walked away last week, I, um, most preachers will say, Lord, give me one more shot, I won't mess it up. And I don't think I messed it up necessarily. But I went away wondering if I really got across something that I felt was very, very crucial in last week's lesson. And so I, I want to go back for just a moment. Just listen to me. We're going to see it flesh itself out with the three Hebrew boys this morning. But last week in Daniel chapter 1, I, I said to you that, that Daniel purposed in his heart or that your translation may have... He made up his mind, or perhaps it's even Daniel resolved that he would not defile or he would not pollute himself with what the world had to offer him. That, that, those words, determined in his heart, is a word in Hebrew which, which means to, to, to base something upon the very core or the very center of your soul. And so as we begin, here's what I want you to grab hold of. For your life to be a worthy life, then your priorities must be right at the very core or at the very center of your life. We, we have a lot of people living on the peripheral today being blown around by all these different doctrines going around, all these different ideas and all of these different circumstances, all these winds that are blowing. And they're trying to somehow make sense out of life or somehow trying to balance out life. Listen to me. For a life to be lived that is a worthy life, then at the very center, at the very core, your priorities have to be right. And each of us must determine what our core values really are. First of all, because we said last week that's where the enemy centers his attacks, right? And so the challenge that I, I wanted to present last week, and I wasn't sure if I really got it off, was that when you walked away or when you were alone with God or alone maybe in your thinking times, 
that you might really establish or at least think about what are the non-negotiables in your life? What are those areas of your life that you're not willing to compromise on, not willing to give into? The very Daniel at the core decided. And we'll see these three boys at the very core decided. There were some areas, primarily their allegiance to God, that could never be compromised. You and I must determine how we're going to live when the furnace of life comes. And we have to determine that before the furnace ever gets lit, before it ever blazes, before it ever begins to get a little hot in our lives. I don't know if you've ever heard of Warren Wearsby or not. Warren Wearsby is one of my favorite writers. He's, he's a guy who, if you're wanting to learn about a book in a general sense, or one of Paul's letters in a general sense, he's the guy that, that you read. Okay? He gives you the overall sense really, really well. Warren Wearsby, in speaking about the commentary on Daniel, here's what he says. He said, God would rather have his people living in shameful captivity in a pagan land than living like pagans in the holy land, disgracing his name. You know what, he, you know what that means? God would rather have you living for him even when circumstances may not smell so good than living in Zion, but living like pagans. Today we're going to see three friends of Daniel also who were robbed of their childhood facing an enormous challenge trial. But because they had the right core values, people, because somewhere down deep they decided what really and truly was important for their lives, they were not swayed by the pressure of a king, swayed by the pressure of a nation. They decided that they were going to do right, and they did right. And God was honored by them. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it's, uh, it's that chapter called the, the Hall of Fame of Faith. And that chapter in Hebrews just talks about those who live their lives by faith. When it comes to these three Hebrew boys, here's what it says. They quenched the power of fire through faith. They quenched the power of fire through faith. Do you know what's more powerful than fire? Faith is. And that's what we want to talk about. Let me tell you, Daniel 3, it's a long chapter. and I don't, I don't know that we're going to read it all. Usually we stand up and read a section but I want us to read as we work through the story, okay? At the end, if it's not 2 o'clock, then we'll finish up, okay? Now, we may not read the full part of it, but I want us to pick it up as we go because maybe it'll make a little better sense to us, okay? Verses 1 through 7, I want us to read together, and I want to talk for a moment, just a moment, about their challenge that they faced because it was a real challenge. And, and, and gang, listen, don't compare this to yours. But the fact is, they had a challenge, and you've got a challenge. Some of you are in a furnace. 
Some of you are trying to figure out today whether your marriage is going to make it, whether your job's going to survive, whether you're going to be able to pay your bills, whether you're going to be able to get over the health issue that you're faced with. You're in a, a furnace. They were in a furnace. But the principles are always the same. Beginning verse 1 of chapter 3 of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and the width 6 cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the perfects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, perfects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music. Boy, they keep re- you have no- I said in the first letter, it's right or it just keeps repeating everything. That the image of Nebuchadnezzar the king is set up, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and men of every language fell down, worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Let's talk about their challenge for a moment. Here was a ungodly king who built a golden image and in all likelihood the image was an image of himself. Okay, 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide. The word went out that when the symphony orchestra began to play everybody was to bow down to the graven images. All did that except for three, these three boys. To do so would put them in direct disobedience to their God. If they didn't, they knew they would be roasted. Now the fact of the matter is, church, they had plenty of incentive. It was their life. huh? How valuable is your life? Is your life of more value than your character? Is your life more valuable than your name? Hmm? When I was a boy growing up, getting ready to fly the coop, Daddy pulled me aside. He said, Tom, you're a Williams. That name is important, and it needs to be important with you. How important is your name? They had every kind of incentive. They could have done what many do today. They could have rationalized, right? Isn't that what we do? Oh, wait a minute. Guys, everybody's doing it. And if we want to live and perhaps even serve God, all we got to do is bow down because dead people can't really serve God. So let's go ahead and bow down here. Because when we do, when we get over it, then we go ahead and serve God. 
Let's bow. They could have rationalized. I'm going to tell you, we live in a world of rationalization today. Instead of biblical convictions, we kind of want to rationalize this thing out. I mean, even to the point that we put things in this world on the same level with God. We, we, we make, it's not that we lift some of those things up too much. I think we bring God down too much. And so God, instead of being uncommonly different, God just becomes common. He just becomes like everything else is. They could have easily rationalized. They could have done what a lot of people do, do, do today, compromise. They may have said something, you know, we need to really pick and choose our battles. And yet these guys realized that this was the biggest battle they would ever face. Because they knew if they failed here, it would just get worse. Church, listen. Compromise doesn't build character. Compromise builds cowards. You got me? Compromise builds cowards. It never builds character. All right, next, their courage. Look, beginning verses 8 through 15. Let's look at their courage for a moment, okay? For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, trier, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, all kinds of music, is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of all those instruments, horn, flute, lyre, dragon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made if you do very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? The courage of these young men. By, we don't know how old they were. But in all likelihood, they were somewhere around 20 years of age, okay? Oftentimes, we think that young men and young ladies don't have wisdom to make right decisions. And in some respects, that's true. I'm obviously a 18 or 20-year-old sometimes can't make the wisest of decisions when they're 30 or 40. They look back and think, why did I do that? But I want you to listen to me. When it comes to core values... When kids have been taught right, like we try to do in our kids' church, and we try to do in our preteen classes, what Mark tries to do with our youth, when kids are taught 
right, when they're caught, taught, and catch, caught, core values, then those kids that can make the right decision. I want to tell you, when it comes to core values, age has nothing to do with it. I've seen men, 50, 60, and 70-year-old stupid men doing dumb things. And I've seen teenagers, because they love God and understand core values sometimes better, stand up for the things of God. You study history. Throughout the history of the United States, most of those that have saved our land, fought and given their lives, were nothing but teenagers, maybe 20 years of age. We took a senior adult trip to Dallas. One of the things we did, we went through the Audie Murphy Museum, the most decorated man in World War II. Do you know they got all of his medals by the age of 20? 21, he was over the hill. Here, these three young men stood up right for God. And I'll tell you what's cool to me as I wrote the study through the passage. You know what they didn't do? They didn't call a committee meeting. They obviously weren't Baptist. They didn't call a business meeting. They didn't have a roundtable discussion. You know why? They didn't have to. They knew and everybody around them knew where they stood. They knew that Yahweh came first in their lives. They weren't being disrespectful of the king. They were just respecting Almighty Yahweh God. They had the right priority. They decided a long time ago before someone started digging a big old hole in the ground called a furnace where their value system was. And dear people, if you wait to the trials and the challenges and the furnace to come, you're in trouble even though you may not even know it. You see, the furnace is just going to show you who you are. It's not going to change who you are. You were there before you got into the furnace. The furnace is just going to show what kind of man or what kind of woman or what kind of teenager you are. Did you notice that the king even tried to manipulate him? He even tried to give him a second chance. Uh, it's kind of like this idea. Oh, hey, guys, come on, man. Man, I, I like you guys. Look, look what I've done. I, I've raised you. I give you good jobs. Man, I gave you good food. I, I took care of you. Guys, work with me here. You know? In just a little while, this is all going to be over with. Everything's going to be cool, and you can go on with your life. Just, guys, give in. But they wouldn't give in, would they? They wouldn't turn away from their God. They had his value. Dear people, Nebuchadnezzar might have said it's not a big deal, but I want you to know to them, and it should be to you today, it is a big deal. I've got a friend who is in music evangelism, and many years ago, and I guess it had to do with this passage, but he made a statement I've never forgotten. He said this to me. He said, Tom, I always remember our faith, that fizzles in the furnace was faulty from the first. Can you say that real fast? A faith, this is your opportunity to be free. A faith that fizzles in the furnace was faulty from the first. Now say it real fast. A faith that fizzles in the furnace was faulty from the first. You may forget to say it fast, but don't forget the truth of it. Because a faith 
that fizzles in the furnace was faulty young people from the first. And it's not always easy standing up for Jesus in a school. And it's not always easy showing your colors in a business. It's not always easy standing up for Jesus on a ball field. But a faith that fizzles in the furnace was faulty from the first. Gang, you can't make your decision based upon feelings. You have to make your decision based upon facts. You can't make your decisions based upon circumstance. You have to make your decision based upon your convictions. Even when you're not sure of the outcome. These boys didn't know the outcome. They just weren't going to compromise. And they weren't going to rationalize. Though it cost them their life. Well, number three, let's look at their confidence. Because this is, to me, the whole heart of the, of the chapter. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18, okay? Notice their confidence. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Bless the Lord. These three boys remained firm. They stood tall in the face of a pending furnace. They showed confidence in their God. Now, I want to point out to you where their confidence was. Look at verse 17. Because the first place they placed their confidence was in God's power. What did they say? God is able. Gang, listen, in furnace experiences, I don't know that there's better words in the Bible, then, God is able. Our God is able. Whatever furnace you're in, whatever's happening and shaking out in your life, can I tell you based upon the authority of the Word of God, your God is able. Even a godless king, look at, look, at, look at verse 29. Even a godless king acknowledged it. Look at verse 29. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver their way. God, God. God, they believed totally in his power. Let, let me give you a, another. Turn to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, for just a minute, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 9, 8. I can't find it. Is it in, it's in the New Testament, isn't it? <laughs> Here we go. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Let me give you a, a New Testament version of that verse in Daniel. You there? You there? Say, amen. Now hurry up, preacher. Okay, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you 
So that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. By the way, that verse is a verse that deals with money. Yeah, giving. Whoa. God is able to give so that I can give. That's what Paul said. You see, their confidence in life and their confidence in impending death was that their God could. And anything less than that, dear people, is not faith. Okay? Secondly, their confidence was not just in God's power, but if you go back to Daniel, look at verse 18, their confidence also was in God's purpose. Here's what they said, God can. But if God chooses not to, we're still not going to rationalize this. We're still not going to compromise this. We'd rather die. Like I said, some things are worth dying for. Now, I recognize that submission to God daily is harder than conversion to God initially because the fact of the matter is, as you live your life trying to live for God and you find these furnaces rising up and you're getting thrown into you don't know what the outcome is. You don't know what's happening. You're not even sure why these things are happening or what is God even trying to do here, okay? When I, when I, when I wrote the sermon out, I said, Lord, what is the secret then, if it is a secret? What's the secret of, of faith living? If we know that we have furnaces and the furnaces are hot. We're not sure. It may even cost us our life. What's the secret then? Let me tell you what I feel like God said to me and I gave to you. When you live, whether you're in the furnace or not, but especially when you're in the furnace, we must live not looking at God's conduct, dear people. We have to live looking at God's character. You understand that? Man, if you try to make some kind of decision based upon the conduct of God, you're going to go batty because you don't know what God's doing. You don't know what God's ultimately trying to accomplish. You don't know what's around the bend or up the hill or around the side. So you can't base how you act or react based upon God's conduct. You've got to base it upon God's character, who God is. Charles Spurgeon, a great English Baptist preacher of years gone by, made a statement. Listen to what he said. He said, God's too loving to be unkind. God is too wise to make mistakes. When you can't trace the fingers of his will, you must trust the purposes of his heart. Did you get that? Oh, he's too loving to be unkind to you. And he's too wise to make mistakes in your life. So when you can't figure out what he's doing, and you can't trace his will, then you gotta, you got to trust his heart. So we surrender to God's character, not God's actions, because we just don't know what's going on, okay? Finally, and I don't think I'm going to read, verse 19 through 30, I would encourage you to go back and, and read that later. But there were some consequences that came. The first was this, that, that there was freedom. You know, they were thrown in, tied up. And then all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looked, and they were walking around untied. Could it be that in the furnace, we go from being chained 
to being free? Could it be that the purpose of a furnace is not to limit, it, limit us, but to liberate us? Whoa. Could it be that it's really in the furnaces of life that we become free? I want you to know something. By the way, the furnace is God's. It's God's furnace. And the furnace is not there to harm you guys. The furnace is there to, to free you. And don't forget that. But not just freedom, fellowship. Nebuchadnezzar said, whoa, who is that fourth guy? I chunked three guys in. And there's four guys walking around. He didn't know that it was God. He said, it looks like one of the sons of God. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't one of the sons. It was the son of God. It was a Christophany. It was a picture of Jesus, pre-incarnate. Who was in the fire? It was Jesus Christ that was in the furnace. He who had glory with the Father before the world ever began. He was that one in the furnace. You look around, beloved. In the furnace that you're trying to navigate through, look around. Because you have a God that never leaves you. And you have a God that never forsakes you. And a God that will always stay with you. In fact, in Isaiah... It says that when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. So there's freedom there. And there's fellowship there, but there's also favor. This is so cool. Notice, if you look uh, somewhere in these bunch of verses, he says, someone show me where he says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and someone call out that verse. There you go. Did I already read that earlier? I did, didn't I? Verse 28, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you imagine what went through these boys' minds? Can you imagine what happened to their hearts when their God was exalted before a pagan king? If you look at verse 26, let, let me read 26 and we'll be through. Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the furnace, a blazing fire, responded, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. Notice, your servants of the Most High God, come here. That word Most High God is the word El Elyon in the Bible. It's a word which means the highest of the highest. That there's none higher. Here is the greatest king, one of the greatest kings in all of history, the greatest king at this moment who controlled the known world. Here's a guy who said, there's one king greater than me. It's El Elyon. It's the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, freedom in the furnace. Fellowship in the furnace. But all folks, favor in the furnace okay well what do we take away I told the first service instead of going out and having roast preacher for lunch let me let me give you something to chew on let me give you some statements and we're through okay number one don't wait for the furnace to make your decision about your life's values in your family establish your cores right now determine your limits now don't wait till it's too late Okay, do it now. 
Number two, furnished situations always calls for some kind of response. And for a believer, it's always either going to be faith or fear. Now, there's always a little bit of measure of both. I understand the fear thing. I've been anxious all of my life. But the fact of the matter is, furnaces always call for some kind of response in your life. It's either going to be fear or faith, and it really can't be both. You've got to determine how you're going to respond. Number three, when you're in the furnace, again, never look for God's conduct. Always look toward God's character. You may not know why things are hot, but he does, okay? And then number four, remember, dear people, in the furnace, you're never alone. Outside the furnace, you're never alone. The Lord goes with you wherever you go. I actually sang in the first service that song, No, never alone. I told them they probably never heard it sung like that before. Oh, dear people, it's God's furnace. It's the Lord's furnace. And I hurt for so many of you. And my heart breaks for so many of you. But I want you to know it's important for you to go through the furnace. The furnace has been designed by God. And if you never went through the furnace, you may never learn who God really is and how much he loves you. So I'm sorry for your furnace. But God's character is sufficient to carry you through. Well, let's pray together. Stu's going to come, and there'll be some getting ready for baptism, and you can go ahead and do that. In a moment, we'll stand and sing a little bit, and maybe God's, maybe you need to pray today, or maybe there's a decision you're wrestling with, or maybe, I don't know, maybe your world's just coming unraveled and it's so hot. Maybe we can help you. But let's pray, and, and then let's... Search our heart a little bit. Father, I love you. I don't like the furnaces. They stink. But God, what's important? Because we sometimes we never realize who we are. We never really fully realize who you are unless we go through it. And there's some here today going through them. And I want to pray for my brothers and pray for my sisters. Pray for those that I love very dearly in this church. Help them to realize it's freedom and it's fellowship and it's favor. The boys came out of the furnace, didn't even stink. They were just better guys. And we will too. Maybe today there's a decision that needs to be made. So I pray courage for those that need to make some kind of decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.